0: And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time slash AMA.
1: There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine
2: than in all the ages of history.
0: Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to a special bonus edition of the Recruiting Future podcast. Back in April, I ran a live podcast conference on the future of talent acquisition in partnership with the team at TA Tech. We had 10 amazing speakers across five topic sessions, and I'm delighted to now be able to bring you the content as a series of podcasts. I'll be releasing these every Friday for the next five weeks. So if you don't want to miss them, make sure you've subscribed to the show. First up is our session on the future of recruitment marketing, featuring Alin Bailey from Intel and Chris Foreman from Appcast. This was a really lively debate, with a big focus on the current inversion we're seeing in the talent market and the transformative effect it's likely to have on recruitment marketing. So I just want to start by setting the scene and talking about some of the the, the challenges that we're that we're seeing um, that we're seeing in the market. So I, I'll start with Alin. Um, tell us about the challenges that that you're seeing from where you're sitting at Intel um, at the moment when it comes to sort of recruitment, marketing, and, and recruiting. Um,
2: yeah. So I think um, one of the number one challenges that we're seeing is that. Um, there is this um, this middle wasteland that I'm starting to to call it, um, that is the differentiation between what's happening from an advertising perspective and, and making people visible and aware of opportunities that exist. And I think that we've all kind of figured out how to do that, and that's happening at some level. Um, and then understanding how we actually get people placed into opportunities. And there's this middle wasteland that's kind of in the middle. We, we've tried to use CRM technology to solve that problem. Um, now AI technology is coming into that space. Um, but I think from a recruitment marketing perspective, our biggest challenge is trying to figure out how do we take this promise that we're selling to people about this Opportunity and the ability to help connect them to opportunity and, and et cetera, and actually make it a reality in a way that um, you know isn't just a bunch of fluff, right? How does that, how do we actually make that happen? Um, I think we're we're getting to the point now where there's an expectation that um, uh, in the recruitment marketing space that people are um, seeing through um, all the stuff we've told them for years. Um, everybody's a little bit cynical, maybe um, in today's day and age, and so. Um, it's up to us to start to fulfill the promise that lives that, that we're putting out there around how we're able to connect people to opportunities. And I think that's the biggest challenge that we've got.
0: Absolutely. And Chris, you've obviously got an ac- access to a huge amount of data in terms of, um, in terms of what you do and what your, your company does. Tell us, tell us what challenges you're sort of seeing in the market generally.
1: Yeah. So, um, first off, I apologies. Our bullpen in here is all of a sudden getting loud. So if, uh, if Matt, feel free to, uh, blow a whistle and I'll try and go find something quieter. But, um, if you guys, has anyone gone and seen, um, the, uh, the, uh, oh goodness. Uh, Hamilton, the 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 musical, Um, they've got a they've got uh, a song in there uh, called "The Day the World Turned Upside Down" about you know the Battle of Yorktown and when all of a sudden we theoretically won our independence. The last four weeks, everybody, that song should have been playing in all recruitment marketing leaders' heads because the data in terms of what's going on with job seeker behavior has done something I have not seen. In my 20 years of doing this, it literally inverted. And so um, I have to, because a bunch of this is geeky, um, I I pulled together a a few slides, Adam, just to show this. Can I show these slides quickly? Because I think fundamentally what we are all going to be dealing with for the, you know, if our time horizon is the next three to five years, I think we've just entered a 12 to 18 month period where, everything that we knew and understood about how people look for work and how they engage with job ads is inverted. And I think that that's going to drive um a, a a really radical shift in terms of how people are thinking about what recruitment marketing is. Candidly, I think we're going to get really down to basics really, really quickly just to try and increase the flow rate of people that we've got coming on in. And some of the razzle dazzle may actually kind of fall to the side as as we focus on airways, breathing and circulation. So can I show you just two slides?
0: Yeah, sure. If the if the tech All works right.
1: Yeah, well, we're we open out. for
0: anything in uh, in this show. Cool. All right, can you see it? Yep. All
1: right. So um, our friends at Indeed have a great blog called uh, Hiring Lab, um, and so if no one has seen it, you should go look at it. This is not an absolute measure of 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 jobs, but it's 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 indexed to a zero point back on feb in February first in twenty twenty, and you can see what happened during the pandemic. And now, if you blur your eyes, what you are seeing here is, is that postings on a relative basis in the United States are up by 20% compared to where they were a year ago, um, pre-pandemic. So, vector is demand is materially higher, not just a little bit higher, but materially higher than it was pre-pandemic, okay? So, that's something that I think we all kind of fundamentally understand, um, but what's what's the other thing I think that we fundamentally understand is is that we have still have more supply in terms of talent, generalized at least in North America. But this is true based on the data that we're seeing in in, in Europe as well. Than pre pandemic. So if you take a look, either by unemployment rate, you know we're at six percent now. We were at four percent, fifty percent higher. So theoretically, half as many people are still on the sidelines. Or if you look at employed. What you're finding is there's about 11 million people that still are underemployed in the United States. And so, what should be happening and what has happened in every other downturn that I've ever seen is you come out of a downturn, demand goes up, and all of a sudden you start to see people moving off the sidelines, doing more searches, engaging more with job ads, and applying at a higher rate. Check this out Google searches for the word job. All of a sudden, if you compare Q1 to 2018, 2019, even 2020, before it went a little bit south, in 2021, seeker intent is off by half. The number of clicks, this is internal Appcast data. This is, again, like the Indeed thing. It's normalized. It's not actual clicks. Is at the lowest point we've measured going back three years? So not only are people searching less, people are clicking on jobs less. And then this is the other thing apply rates have cratered. Um, and so in across the board in the United States, we're finding um, apply rates on jobs are down by at least 20% across the board by function. So what does that mean for recruitment marketers and like the future is, I don't think that we're in a spot right now where we can be thinking about, oh, gee whiz, what's the, the next big idea that we're going to go solve for? I think we're going to be finding over the next 12 months because of the economic growth rate that is spiking. I mean, Goldman Sachs says it's going to be 8% growth this year in the United States. For the last 15 or going, the the last time we even got close to that was 1983 with Reagan after the Reagan tax tax cuts, it was 6%. So, I mean, we're looking at the biggest economic growth that we've ever had. um, And... um, we're, we're going to be holding on with our fingernails, just trying to find ways to increase conversion rates. Um, and some of the razzle dazzle I think is gonna be left to the side. So I, I don't mean to sound like the sky is falling and, um, you know, but I think this guy may be falling just a little bit.
0: There we are. That's, um, I mean, that's, that's fascinating data. And it really does resonate with stories that I'm hearing from around the industry and the challenges that, that people have. Um, it, it, moving, moving, moving back to Lynn, is, is this, does this kind of correlate with, uh, with, with your experience? And how do you think the sort of the future of recruitment marketing needs to, needs to map out from, from, from here? And what are the, what are the sort of the key drivers for you?
2: Mm -hmm. um i i do think it correlates i'm i um i'm very interested by the data so i the geek in me wants to go so deep in that and explore that in in some more detail so i'm trying to kind of think through that as i'm as i'm talking here but my immediate instinct would be i i think i would caution us um about making um preconceived notions about why we think that is happening and and i think some of it may be um and i'm just you know, throwing us out there as a hypothesis I'd like to test out, but I think some of this may be um, that uh, job-seeker behavior is changing, um, not just because of maybe our preconceived ideas around their lack of interest or their lack of desire, like there are a million things that could be kind of driving that piece, um, but it could be that they have kind of, it kind of goes to my first point, they may have been, fig- they may have figured us out, <laughs> right? Um, uh, you know, we have, uh, we've been spending, uh, all this time basically running our recruitment operations organizations the same way for decades. Um, the candidates I think have gotten smarter and more in tune to this. And, um, I'm wondering if this data is reflective of the fact that, um, they woke up and they're not going to play anymore the same way. And so they're, they're looking to approach this from a different lens. Um, and I think what that means to us is, is that we need to take a step back and say, well, what, we've been preparing for this moment for a long time, right? Now is the time that we need to start really thinking about this differently. Um, I often tell people that, you know, this idea that there are active and passive candidates has been a misnomer forever. Right. I mean, I just don't think that that's a truth statement. I think that there are people who are actively looking and those are the people who are driving your apply rates up because they're just like there's some driver that says they have to go out there. And then for the most others, um, they fall in this lens I call opportunity harvesters. Right. So there we, we used to call those passive, but they're not passive. What they've done is is they figured out this ecosystem and the way it oper- operates. They put their information out there. It's on LinkedIn. It's in other sources. They're, they're building their own personal brands. They've made themselves available. And it, it, the expectation is now becoming, just like in the consumer setting, that you know who I am. I know you have my data or you can access my data. And I expect you to come to me um and um and an opportunity, and it's uh, the, i think what we're seeing is this mindset shift towards opportunity should come to, to me to a certain expect to a certain level what does that mean for recruitment marketing i think what that means is is that we've got to start switching our game from saying please come apply in mass volumes let me drive you drive you drive you to my apply conversion and instead start thinking about how do we leverage this wealth of data that exists out there and that we've been collecting about people for years and use it to help target most effectively at them at the right moment at the right time um, to to connect them to opportunities. That is um, That means we have to start shooting um, with very specific arrows and less with these big kind of mass splashes out there just hoping that we catch somebody in the net.
0: Absolutely, I really want to dig into that in a, in a second because I think it's a it's kind of a, a fascinating area and so important. Before I do, just just sort of coming back to Chris, I mean, why? What's your perspective on why this might be happening? And uh, give us a little bit more on what you think the the, the the implications are for the future of recruitment marketing.
1: So let me pick up. Um on 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 the why and and this is going to sound super weird for me to start this way but it's going to make sense in a minute i'm a democrat i voted for joe biden i believe government solves problems okay so put that in a box if you take a look at the data there's three conventional wisdom things that basically would explain not a gradual degradation in, in seeker experience, which, you know, is something that I would, I would argue is, would be more along the lines of what we'd expect if they just stopped wanting to play our game. That's kind of a gradual change. This was a precipitous drop. Okay. So it, it started candidly in the middle of February and there's three reasons why um, you know, economists and and our internal experts here at AppCast think that this would happen. Number one is you have people staying on the sidelines because they've got kids at home that they need to educate. Number two is you've got people staying on the sidelines because of the fact that uh, they are not vaccinated and they are concerned about their safety. And number three is monetary policy, um, you know, from the United States government in terms of the. Uh, the recent um, COVID recovery bill that was passed. What's interesting is if you look at unemployment, just unemployment, um, and you break that down, unemployment is getting better with a whole series of categories. You've got um, you know, folks that have been employed a, more, a small amount of time going down, a medium amount of time going down, a, a relatively long amount of time going down, a super long amount of time before covid we had about 1.2 million long term unemployed during covid it's about 4.2 million it went up 300,000 last month and we're at about 4.4 million right now so what's interesting is is that if you take a look at the two things outside of economic stimulus that would necessarily you know kind of explain why people wouldn't be coming off the sidelines home education and vaccines for that group of people which has stayed relatively static for for, for ten to twelve months, um, vaccines are in the United States are going up and to the right hard. So you'd expect it not to be getting worse. You'd expect it to stay the same. The other thing is is that um, you have half as many schools being fully remote and three times as many schools going back to in person instruction in the United States. So those two things would would probably not explain a precipitous drop in seeker engagement. Right, because they're getting better, not worse. So even if we just said they stayed the same, it probably removes them as a reason. And what if if you if you look at the data? Um, ZipRecruiter uh, has got a great blog as well, where they basically broke down the new um, public, po- um, you know, kind of monetary policy, not monetary, um, gov- you know, government supports for unemployment in the United States, and turned it into what the hourly rate was in all the different states when you take state unemployment, and federal unemployment. If you go and you look at what those, uh, those salaries are compared to what's being advertised for a lot of jobs, it's close. It's close. So we're not going to know for six to nine months what's going on here, but there's a possibility that's what it was uh, once you normalize everything out. Now, what does that mean? You know, kind of going back to my thing about like, um, if I'm a recruitment marketer and I'm working in any organization that specifically has, um, lower middle-wage workers, but even on the high end, like we're seeing this across the board, my ad agency friends call me and say, they're seeing exactly the same thing across the board, white collar you know, blue collar, middle collar, what do we got to do? I agree, um, uh, Alan, that uh, there's a uh, narrow casting and and better targeting and better communicating with candidates is something that is a middle-term response. But the short-term response needs to be almost kind of emergent airways breathing circulation. Number one is we need to get our, reduce the friction for our application flows instantly. If in fact what we're finding is we have fewer people clicking on our jobs and we have a lower apply rate, we need to throw conventional wisdom about what we ask and when we ask it out the window. Otherwise, we are going to see fill rates on our jobs go through the floorboards. And so, like pulling out assessments, pulling out all all the extra questions, moving to a simple opt-in, utilizing the type of, of oh, let's say, third-party apply technologies, Indeed Apply, LinkedIn Apply, um, you know the, the ATSI product that that our parent company at StepStone has, all that's super important. The other thing is, is that we need to tell this story to corporate leadership. Here's the bottom line, guys. It's going to get materially more expensive. Um, you're seeing, as measured by what you pay for a click, that cost is going up 15 to 20%. Conversion rates are going down by 20%, which means if you set your budget based on the idea that you are getting this many clicks and this many applies from a job ad that had this fill rate, basically divide that by 0.4. And that's what you're going to have to start looking at in terms of, of, I'm sorry, 0.6. That's what your budget's going to be. It's going to be materially higher. And so candidly, We need to start putting more money to work if we want to maintain the applicant flows that we've historically done to to get hires. And lastly, is we need to get our recruiters focused on this reality that we are not, no matter what they read in the journal, this is not an employer-favorable environment. Okay, We need to make every applicant count. After we get those things going, then you can go do a bunch of the razzle dazzle fun stuff. And yes, you know we need to be better at telling messages. Yes, we need to have better, you know, kind of um, ad comms. Yes, we need to be more automated. I don't think we're going to be at that stage of thinking about that for six to eight months. I think we're going to be kind of with red lights flashing for a bit of time.
0: And I think th- there is a challenge there that there could well be. Uh, perception with uh, unemployment still still at record levels in lots of countries ar- around the world, the perception could be amongst corporate leadership that it actually is very easy to recruit. It's very easy to recruit people at the moment. That that's not a that's not a problem. So um, yeah, I think that's a really that's a really interesting point. Um, Elin, coming back to your point about, first of all, be interested in in your thoughts on what Chris has Chris has just said, but also maybe extend expanding a bit more in terms of, um, you know, the targeting and segmentation that you were that you were talking about.
2: Yeah, I think actually, I think both pieces are are connected. So uh, I agree, actually, wholeheartedly agree with what Chris said. I think there is a um, a misperception that um, we're going to be walking into um, an employer's market or that we're sitting in an employer's market. That everybody's just clamoring out there um, to apply for your jobs and conversion. It, it's going to be difficult. It already is. I mean, I think that's the, I think, I don't know a recruiter today who doesn't feel that who isn't seeing that mm-hmm. in an and isn't reacting to it. Um, I think, and this is where it connects this idea around segmentation and targeting. I think I just caution us. Here's, here's my caution. I I caution us that sometimes our approach to dealing with those situations um, is to um, uh, push as much as possible um, the volume game and think that that's going to solve our problem. Um, Push, push volume of applies, push volume of things. I, I am a firm believer that um, I think that you're, we're, we're pushing a stone uphill um, and it's going to keep falling down on us and keep kind of coming down and coming down and coming down. If we don't figure out this question around how do we target more effectively um, and actually get the right people um, applying to the right jobs and really focus on that match piece, We're going to only exacerbate the problem, right? I think the idea of friction around apply is a huge issue, and it's related to this, right? If I'm not sure that um, I'm a match or not a match, and I don't really know if this is going to work or not work, and I'm not 100% committed to applying and et cetera, um, any sort of friction I I reach into the apply process, Chris is absolutely right. I'm going to drop. Why would I do that? Right. I have talked to applicants recently who are looking at me saying, listen, I've been out there applying. I'm desperate. I need to find a job now. I'm out there looking for work and I'm clicking buttons. And listen, if it doesn't have an easy apply on it, an easy apply button, I don't even go that far anymore. Right. People are people get that. And I think that's the way they're operating. To me, that pushes us more towards this idea that we have to be much, much better at targeting and getting the right people to apply because if you don't feel a vested interest in the value of why I should apply and look and and go through this Hassle to even, even in our best case scenario, (laughs) it's a hassle to have to tell people who you are and what you're about, right? Um, I'm not going to invest in that um, in in this market, in this way, in in this space. We know people aren't going to do it. Um, So just trying to push volume into it isn't going to solve the problem. We've got to go in there and and target and get specific about who we want and then bring them into the process in different ways. Um, I think that's what this is pointing to us an opportunity. To flip the script and to do this differently, that if we use our same tactics and same techniques, I don't think it's going to solve the problem.
1: So this is this is turning into crossfire. I'm so excited about I know. About this. I'm like, okay. so, so Matt, can I, can I can I can I dig in here for a minute? <laughs>
0: you can dig in. You've got one minute to dig in, then I'm going to ask a final question.
1: So here's here's the 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 counter argument to the Cissif Sisyph- the sysophonian you know kind of issue of a volume that you pointed out. Uh-huh. So Mike Hennessy, um, founder of a Brass Ring a decade ago he and i were having coffee and you know brassring at the time was you know maybe it was more than a decade ago like the you know a major ats they had massive amounts of data and he's like chris you know what's super funny we started to boil the ocean and what we realized was a hiring manager put a requisition in and do you know how many times the recruiting team had to go source for that requis- on average that requisition 1.9 times. That means 90% of the requisitions when we went out and got candidates the first time were wrong. And I'm like, huh, why is that, Mike? And he's like, it's because the hiring managers have no idea what they want. And it isn't until they look at an applicant that they actually get a clue. And so one of the challenges that, that I've got, because I I, I'm, I'm going to argue that volume no matter what your mother told you, volume does solve problems in recruiting. Um, and so, is that all of this, you know, kind of nuanced recruitment marketing presupposes that we know what we want before we get a slate of people in front of us and i you know i still don't believe necessarily that the world has gotten better from a hiring manager standpoint in the last decade in terms of figuring out what we actually want to hire until we actually get a, a group of applicants in front of us so I think I use my minute so we can, we can, we can have another throwdown. We can have Matt can have us back in a month and we can argue more about yeah, because this. I got I know an that it.
2: We'll, we'll leave right, that. We'll drop right. that for another moment. But I, I, I agree with you. Uh,
0: could you give us, give us, t- g- you've got 10, 10 seconds yeah. before so I can I, I ask the last I question. I absolutely you agree a,
2: with you, Chris. People yeah. don't know what they want until they see something in front of them and they can bounce off of and against it. I'm going to tell you. Way they need to see that is through a slate that you get off of your managed pipeline before you go into the apply process, and 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 the problem today is is that we're using that first slate based on the apply process, and that is what is causing our businesses and our recruiters to have to spend so much time and effort managing candidates, right? So we, I, I yep. think we're in the same. I think we're saying the same thing. I just think that it happens pre-apply. A way to
1: solve it, yep. right? I agree with you. If we could if if we could do that magic one that would be fantastic. Rainbows and unicorns.
2: I, I believe in rainbows and unicorns. I think we can do it.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I could, we, we could run for another hour. This is, this is a fascinating, a fascinating conversation. And I knew that you two would, um, uh, you know, would have a really interesting, interesting debate. And that hasn't, I haven't been disappointed. Um, I want to f- sort of finish with, with one minute each because we're coming up to time. So let's sort of take ourselves away. I mean, it's very difficult to think about anything other than the next week or the next six months at the moment, just because it has been. In such a stressful time and there was so much going on. But if we kind of rise above that and think a couple of years into the future, give me your sort of best idea. Tell me what actually don't do that. Tell me what you'd like to see in terms of what recruitment marketing should look like in two years' time. So Elin, you can go first.
2: Um so I'm gonna throw my controversial statement out there. I think what's happening in the sourcing and recruiting space where we're starting to automate those capabilities. Um, at a much bigger scale. I think that that's what needs to happen in the recruitment marketing space. I think that um, we have a misperception, that it's not a misperception. I think that we have a desire to believe that it takes this uh, you know great marketing mind and focus and effort and a real specialty to be able to figure out how to target people and to get the right um, applicants and to, to push all of those pieces and, and to write, do the right messaging. Um, I think that this is one of those jobs and spaces where, um, uh, technology and systems may be better at this, um, and then our ability to get humans to do it effectively and, and at scale. So I think recruitment marketing becomes more and more automated. Um, and I think that we start using technology to a greater scale, scale and recruitment marketers need to become technology wizards. They need to understand how to use it and leverage it.
0: Absolutely. Chris, your thoughts?
1: Three legs to the stool. Um, First off, I do believe that we have, we're seeing a secular shift in large organization, uh, in large company TA organizations to have a dedicated recruitment marketing function. That in and of itself is going to lead to an acceleration of changes both in process and technology that uh, is where we're going to be looking at, you know, Funnels and pipelines, um, you know, more effectively, and and bringing more tools to bear. So, you know, the old adage that if you throw people at it, um, change occurs. I think we're going to see more people in this in this specialization and perhaps profession. Um, and and so that's that's vector one. Vector two is, I actually think a bunch of stuff that we currently do is going to be thrown off the rails as a result of the privacy first web that's coming out. I can't tell you how nervous the ad tech and MarTech world is right now with everything that's going on with Safari and Chrome, the third-party cookies, and the ability to re-engage um, based on, on, on data sets that are more private. The web is never going to be private, but more private. And um, that is going to put business models, tools, and techniques that we consider to be relatively straightforward today and throw them out of whack. And there's going to be a whole new bunch of things that are going to be coming in. So, like that, I think is a is another webinar. Um, and so, I don't necessarily know how that's going to play out. The third thing, though, is within we're going to have more specialists looking at this issue. We're going to have a big new issue coming to the fore that we have to deal with with regards to privacy first web. The third thing is. Um, this is something that my uh um, my boss and 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 uh, business partner sebastian Detmers at Stepstone talks about a lot. It's autonomous matching the idea that there is demand on one side and there is supply on the other and there's too much friction right now, not just on the supply process but in terms of both sides being able to um, uh, you know kind of constantly be operating and, and matching. So, you know, when you talked about the, 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 the false construct of passive and active candidates that underpins this concept of, of autonomous match, no one is really active. And well, there people are active, but no one is truly passive because just to be clear, Sebastian, if you're listening to this, I would quit today if president Biden made me, um, you know, an ambassador to any country in the world. So, I'm a passive candidate. I just happen to, you know, it's'm I'm, I'm not gonna get that call. So, um anyway, there you go okay um, i got the long stick but those are my
0: thoughts absolutely well thank you so much that was an absolutely tremendous um conversation uh, sorry we have to cut it short but we will we will continue it <laughs> at some point in the future so um thank you so much if you could just turn your and mics off i'm going to invite peter back to the zoom stage um to take us to the next uh the next bit my thanks to lynn and chris You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me this
1: is my show